podcast by committee is brought to you by game time your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets did you know nfl ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts game time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers then shows you all the best last minute deals with prices up to 60 percent off more than 12 million fans have downloaded the game time app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game and look if you're not into sports and you're listening to this sure why not um, you can also get music and theater tickets, which is kind of cool if you're looking to go on a date. Maybe come on down to New York and check out the Radio City's Christmas Spectacular. I don't know. Anything like that. Uh, check out Game Time for all of that stuff. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. And welcome to Podcast by Committee, uh, super Italian version today, as we bring in from Buffalo, Joe Biscaglia. Joe, what's up, man? Oh, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we uh, could double up on the Italianness here on this pod. Yeah, super overload. Uh, um, first and foremost, thank you for every, every week we do the uh, the beat writer questions, and, and you're you're one of like the most constant people in there who just fills it out and, and gives <laughs> us good answers on this kind of on this very weird team. Yes, it's it's incredibly weird, and and no worries because uh, I I think it all stems from their offensive coordinator and where he comes from because you know his background in New England certainly makes for a kind of a guesswork what's going to happen from one week to the next with with their offense. Well, that's you know you know uh, let's just jump in right there because I had Dable a little is it Dable or Dabble or uh, Dable, Dable you right? got it yep uh, he uh, like so last year you know he. he I think when there were a couple, there were a couple stories about LaShawn McCoy and how he's going to fit into this offense. And like, I just, I went deeper and deeper into Dable and like, you know, likes the matchups, loves this stuff. This Buffalo offense is going to be super exciting. Um, And I had flashes of it, especially when Josh Allen took over, but carrying over into this year, I was like, all right, man, we got Singletary now, you know, they got some really talented wide receivers, Robert Foster. Um, And then (laughs) it just kind of became like, okay, Frank Gore getting a ton of yards. Um, Singletary finally breaking out last week, which I, I think we can get to in a second. But um, can you, I mean, is this Dable offense going to be different every week? Like with some offenses, you know what's going to happen. Greg Roman offense, yeah. you know they're going to run. Is this just something where like, hey, pay super close attention to the defense because they're just going to do like crazy matchups? Mm-hmm, basically. Um, and that makes my job fun because I get to go in and, and try and figure out what the, uh, the opposition does poorly and try and do some guesswork as to how they'll attack them because Brian Dable is not committed one way or another to any sort of set offense, which I, I quite like as a, as a principle of just, you know, general offensive play calling. I mean, just very basically, you want to attack the weakness of a defense rather than trying right. to run into a brick wall, essentially. So I, I, I quite like what he's been able to do with that, but it, it is very tough to predict from one week to the next in terms of usage, who's going to be active on on a on a given week. And it's almost quite, I mean, if if you're a Game of Thrones person, it's... It's like Arya in the uh, the house of the of all the faces, where she she just takes on a new face every single time she wants to go out and <laughs> kill okay. somebody. It's it's that's that perfect. type of offense. 
Um, oh, by the way, uh, I, I just want to get all this stuff out of the way up front. If you're just if you're just hearing Joe for the first time, um, you can listen to his podcast, The Buffalo Beat, if you're enjoying that voice. Um, check out this show. Check out his show. Rate it on iTunes if you're listening for free on iTunes. These these reviews and uh, you know just pop it on and giving it five stars really helps a lot uh, to get us a little surfaced higher, um, which is much appreciated as always. Um, and also, if you want forty percent off a subscription to the Athletic. We're going to give a shout out to Joe's show today. Theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat gets you 40% off if you like what you're hearing. So uh how's that for the plugs, Joe? Pretty good. Yeah, that 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 works great from from my end. Right. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Fairburn and I, we we have a lot of fun on there, and uh, sometimes we don't take ourselves too seriously. So it's a fun show. So Matthew, when I would well, actually, you know, I'm from Syracuse, you're from Buffalo. We're, we're upstate guys. Yeah. Um Matthew was the Syracuse.com fantasy expert, like four years ago. Like I, I read Syracuse.com still. I like to see what's going on at home. Sure. Um, and I'd, all, I'd see him. I'd see him right. And I, I think I almost reached out to him once to be a guest on the old TV show where I used to work, but it's a yeah. fantasy heavy place up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's always, it's always fun um, talking with him because he, he knows the game just, I mean, uh, we, we both try to study the game as much as we can. We're both based in draft and that's how we kind of cut our teeth and everything like that. So it's, 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 it's fun talking with him every single week. So if, if you can give us a, give us a, a check us out. Yeah. And review it. You know, you know what? The review <laughs> would be super nice, but like just the five stars also helps, you know, just those yeah, ratings. Just right. Click. And I don't like to beg for stuff, but it would be nice if you just went into both of our shows and did that. Uh, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, so the Devin Singletary quote unquote breakout. Um, you wrote a lot about him in, in your latest uh, in your latest column up on the Athletic, uh, but like, can we just is this going to be like Nick Chubb um, last year where he kind of basically forced Frank Gore out of town? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Hyde out of town because he was just so good and like, okay, we got Chubb, let, let, let's just roll with that. Um, or is this going to be something like we just talked about, like where Gore next week is going to be 23 for 160 and Singletary is going to get like four carries? <laughs> well, it, it better not be the, what you just said at the, at the end there, because I think uh, Bills fans might riot at, at that point. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, when you watch Devin Singletary, you can just tell there's something different about him. And uh, like right now, I'm in the process of going back and watching the coach's film, everything like that. And I, I'm through the first half and some of his runs were totally by his own doing like there was one where there was a defender who had him dead at the line of scrimmage he gives him a little shifty stutter step and drops him to the ground and he goes up the field and gains seven yards I mean it's it's that type of ability that had Brandon Bean really excited when he drafted him I always think back to the first thing that Brandon Bean ever said to us when they drafted Devin Singletary was that and he cut his teeth as a as a scout and they in scouts by nature they don't like to use hyperbolic words all that often and when he came out and and talked with the media right after the pick he said this guy has rare vision and rare instincts and when you hear a former scout use the word rare they're not uh just doing something to, to pump the guy's tires so Brandon Bean obviously loves him but in terms of how they're going to use him going forward I'll kind of believe it when I see it with them because Dable has not committed one way or another. I mean, just think of his his first two games in in the league when he was still uh, when he wasn't dealing with the hamstring injury. I mean, it, it took them until the second half to really get him involved. 
and in the Jets game in week one, he helped uh, spring them to a victory in the fourth quarter there when they had to put up a couple touchdowns to come away with that win uh, against the Giants. They they uh, depended on him to kind of put the game away before he suffered his hamstring injury. And then even a couple of weeks ago against Philadelphia, they didn't get Devin Singletary involved at all in the first half. And then once they did, he started to, to make some noise. So I think there there might be some middle ground here as to what his involvement could be as opposed to what they did against Washington. Because if you look at Washington and what they do well versus what they don't, I mean, their defensive line, their their front three, and John Bostic, their linebacker, they're really freaking good. And and that's why I think they tried to attack Washington on the edges, put, put some pressure on their rookie Montez Sweat, who's been just okay this year. Um, trying to get out, force the cornerbacks to make some tackles and and force the the safety to to really be up on it and um, and they had a lot of success in, in that way and they also wanted to attack them with um, with catches out of the backfield in the screen game which is something Washington struggled with and they did that they popped him for a 49 yard uh, gain at, right at the beginning of the game there so I think it was kind of a a perfect situation um, the opponent struggling where they did. Uh, and wanting to get Devin Singletary involved and him being healthy enough from the hamstring, now it's just a matter of, okay, what does Cleveland do poorly? And if they can't stop anything up the middle, then it might be more uh, more of a Frank Gore attack than we're used to. But I do think Singletary should have a bigger role, specifically in the first halves, than he, than he has. Well, you know, you, you brought up his injury, and I wanted to ask you about that. Was this, I mean, would we have seen this in like week six if he didn't go out with an injury, or was this kind of like always the not the plan, but kind of like the trajectory that he yeah. was on to kind of be a late season kind of burst. Um, I, I think the hamstring injury certainly set him back. Um, and there were, I think there were a couple of opponents, opponents, I th- the Cincinnati game, I thought would have been a perfect Devin Singletary game just because, I mean, you look, you look at the Bengals, their linebackers cannot move. Preston Brown, who Buffalo knows very well from his four years, um, just he he's a good downhill running or uh, run stuffer. But anytime you get him moving, it's trouble. And so attacking the edges is what they wanted to do in that game, and they tried to with TJ Yeldon. Yeldon ends up fumbling. It it uh, was kind of a messy win, but they still got the win regardless. I thought that would have been a potential Singletary smash spot uh, for for fantasy purposes. But yeah, it was just unfortunate for them that they weren't they didn't have him. And then the Miami game could have been a, a bigger spot for him, but he was just coming back from the hamstring. Really that uh the Philadelphia game I think is what kind of woke him up said, "Okay, we we really need to uh figure out how to get him involved." And then scouting the Washington defense, everything like that. It all kind of led into it. So, um I still think Frank Gore will have a role and depending on what Cleveland does poorly this coming week, it, it could be uh relatively bigger than what what he had um, against Washington. But um, I think Singletary needs to be involved. And I don't think they're going to be a, a bell cow type of team uh, where they just depend on one guy. I, I think it's uh, I think it more often than not, it'll be a compilation of backs. Well, that, you know, that's the thing that, that kind of is tough is like, you know, Frank Gore, 36 years old. Uh, I, th- I think people thought at the start of the season, like, oh, he went there because his son's going to Buffalo and he wants to be close to him. And like, he's just kind of like a novelty act. But right. he's averaging over four yards a carry. He's having a good season by, you know, by almost every measure. Is that, is there something beneath the surface there that, that maybe like a fantasy player who's not totally embedded with Buffalo might be missing? Or is it still like, yeah, Frank Gore is good. It's just Devin Singletary's 
a little better. Yeah, Frank Gore has been solid this year. I mean, this this past game was was tough for him because the the like I said, the the Washington defense uh, ninety eight for Washington. Ionitis, Ionitis. I don't know how to say his last name. He he dominated at the point of attack. Jonathan Allen was super good uh, against the Bills' offensive line. They really struggled to get a push right up the middle, and that's Frank Gore's game nowadays. He can't get to the edges, but man, does he! go north-south still really well, even for his age. And um, so that's why he's going to continue have a have a role. I think back to the, the Tennessee game where they had the ball with over four minutes to play and they just ran it down the Titans' throat. And that's a solid defense, and it was all Frank Gore. I mean, he, he uh, broke out of a tackle in the backfield and he busted it up the field for a huge gain. Um, and, you know, that he still has ability and – I think they know what they have in him. They just can't put too much on him. And I think not having Singletary around and Yeldon kind of struggling a little bit and with carries out of the backfield, I think that put a lot of a strain on Gore. And at this point, he was his role last year in Miami was perfect because I think he had just under 150 carries and he looked fresh. He averaged, averaged I think, 4.6 yards per carry. The guy can still move. Um, so that's why he's going to continue to be involved and, uh, they're hoping it's kind of a, a two pronged attack as, as they go forward here, just depending on what the defense doesn't do well. Yeah, and, it, you know, looking from a fantasy perspective, I think a lot of people were worried TJ Yeldon is going to be, you know, another guy who's going to take away from Singletary and he's kind of been a non-factor, but, um, Josh Allen, I, I know people expected him to run, but you know, like I think five games with eight or more carries, uh, he's fourth in the NFL among quarterbacks and rushing yards. Uh, I assume this will this will keep going, but um, is this another thing like where when you when you try to get all hype about Devin Singletary, like well Frank Gore is still there and he's pretty good, and then Josh Allen, you know, right, quote unquote, stolen four touchdowns from the running backs too. Um, That's that's valid, right? To continue that for the next eight weeks, like oh yeah, Josh Allen's there too. Yeah, they do like designed runs to the quarterback, and um, they really like putting him out on quarterback sweeps. They don't mind when he when he tucks the ball on RPOs. Um, I mean, they've actually gained quite a few solid, um, solid yardage plays on third down just by throwing three tight ends on the field, rolling, uh, Josh Allen out on a sweep and, and gaining like nine, 10 yards on a third and two. So that's, that's something that they like in their offense. And, um, they would prefer that he doesn't put his head down and continue to take hits, but right. I think I think they believe that is something incredibly unique about him, and so they don't want to take that away, especially since he's still developing as a passer. So yeah, it's that's that's just one more thing, one more layer for this Brian Dable attack. Where it's like, okay, it's it's fun to try and anticipate what they're going to do, but not if you're a fantasy football player that has any one of these guys, because it, right. it's, he's he's effectively turning them into New England light with with how he he utilizes. Like this is a this is a great example. Isaiah McKenzie goes from uh, inactive last week against Philadelphia to playing 68 percent of snaps this week against Washington. So it's just like, and Duke Williams goes from playing 68% of snaps uh, the previous week and is inactive this week. And then Robert Foster, his usage is is way down low and you can't get a handle on that. Sometimes B, Cole Beasley goes from 40% of snaps to 85% of snaps. It's just totally up in the air based on what Dable sees. Well, you know, the the I guess the one little nice constant, even though he hasn't been like a standout fantasy guy, is John Brown, 
Yeah. Um, you know, he'll get like the the seven targets and he'll get at least like, you know, we talk about the floor in fantasy. John Brown basically has like a 55 yard floor in fantasy for every like if you if you got John Brown, you know, like, OK, I'll get four catches, I'll get 50 yards and anything else is gravy. So that's nine points in PPR. Yep. Um, yeah. Is that is he like that? Just that mainstay in that offense that will continue? It's, it seems like he's quote unquote matchup proof, I guess. Um, yeah. Is that safe to say? Like he, he's just, you know, steady. Yeah, he's uh, he's Josh Allen's guy through and through, and um, he has, by my count, um, just under eighty-eight percent of the total snaps on the field this year. The next closest player is Cole Beasley at sixty-four percent. So, I mean, it's it, he is the constant of the passing attack, and even from a tight end perspective, you don't know who's going to going to line up. But John Brown, you know, more often than not especially over these past four or five games, John Brown's probably going to be on the field over 90% of, of the snaps. And, and Josh Allen looks his way. John Brown is still a really good route runner. He breaks people off in the intermediate game and it it's fun to watch. And especially when Josh Allen uh, can find him on those out routes and, and those little curl routes. I mean, that, that's something that John Brown really excels at. And he, he even hit him on a, uh, on a back shoulder when, Deion Dawkins got beat at, at left tackle and it seemed like Allen needed to get the ball out quick. He, he, he hit John Brown for a 25 yard back shoulder throw, which is one of Allen's favorite throws. So it's like a when in doubt, go to John Brown sort of uh, situation for, for Josh Allen. And um, yeah, every single week he could, he could bust loose and, and get a touchdown because more often than not, if, if uh, Josh Allen is in trouble, he's looking John Brown's way. Um, You know, there are a billion different ways I can go with the next question, but just really quickly, you, you just mentioned like, you know, um, the 88% of snaps by your calculation. And I noticed in your, in your last column that you had, it seemed like you counted out the snaps yourself. Um, are you doing that for every yeah, game? Doing I do that in game. Like, Cause I just go to sport radar. I didn't know you were doing that yourself. Yeah. I do that in game because you have to wait until after the, or the, the morning after. And it just, it, it gives me a different way to uh, kind of figure out uh, how, like, questions I want to ask in terms of usage and personnel groupings and things like that, who was on the field on specific big plays that uh, whether it's pro or con um, it, in terms of how it resulted in the game. So uh, yeah, that's, that's just, I, I started doing that this year. I, I, you know, it's my 10th year on the beat. Uh, we just wanted to try something different. I ended up loving it. Um, and it just, it, you also get more authentic answers right after the game from players when you, when you say, okay, what was happening here? I saw you were on the field uh, with, with such and such, or how, why didn't this person get such and such amount of snaps? So it, it's not absolute, and sometimes I screw up a play or two, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I try to do that every game. Man, I think that's pretty cool, actually. That's, yeah, I, I just noticed a couple things there, and like, oh, wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's some heavy lifting. Yeah, it, it's not bad because I, I mean I'm a I'm a spreadsheet guy through and through. So I just um, I have a nice little automated spreadsheet. All I have to do is put in the number one next to a guy's name, and then it just spits out the percentages as I go along. Are you big? Are you good? You're a big fantasy guy. You sound. I mean, I assume if you're playing with spreadsheets, you're a big fantasy guy, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm actually bigger into fantasy basketball than I am fantasy football. Ironically enough. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. But I still play gotta, fantasy football. All right. Well, you know. It's, you know, yeah. the, the, the familiar refrain we get from a lot of the, the writers that we talk to is I'm, like, I'm so into my team that it's hard to see what else is going on in the rest of the league. So, like, you know, if, if you're that good, and you're that dedicated to your team. 
um, you know, like it's, it's tough to like see what's going on in Carolina or yeah. in New England, you know, like stuff like that. If, if, you know, if you're, if you're doing your job right, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I try to read as much as I can about every, every other team just to see, you know, trends, who's, who's got a good offensive line, who's got a, a bad defensive line, things like that. And, you know, trying to figure out who's got, who's injured. It, it's all about getting an edge. And uh, yeah, I, right. I, I, I try as hard as I can, <laughs> as we all no, do. Hey, I, I believe it, man. <laughs> um, b- back to the bills. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you, you'd written something and I, I, I'm going to be paraphrasing the crap out of this. Um, it was like watching Josh Allen on film show that he improved a lot. And I think mm-hmm. it was after um, uh, was Miami, I think it was. Um, and like, you, cause you, you review the film, you go through the all 22s. Is that, is he still progressing like that? I mean, I, I know we kind of passed over that a little bit, but like you, you kind of just kind of said almost declaratively, like he's, he's done some stuff. I think Dawson Knox dropped the big pass. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked good. He, he was making smart decisions. Um, and we've talked about the progression of, of him a little bit. Uh, but it, I mean, is that, is he growing every week? Is, is Josh Allen someone who's like by week 12, if he's your fantasy quarterback, you can feel safe in a one quarterback league having like Josh Allen's my quarterback. I feel good mm-hmm. about this. He's improved significantly from like week six. Um, let's do this. Is, is that <laughs> kind of his trajectory? Um, I don't know if it's, it's his trajectory in terms of fantasy relevance, but uh, if from, where what he was when they got him to what he is now it's it's kind of night and day um and because when they first got his hands on him they they had someone that um had you know eh, i guess hit or miss um footwork uh hit or miss lower body mechanics and they've been working hard on all of that and that was one of their their biggest uh things that they did in in the first season where you know, once he came back from his injury, he made a jump. The fr- when he first took over as the starter for Nathan Peterman last year, he he just he, he looked awful, and it did not look good. It was not an encouraging start by any means. Bills fans were like, "Oh no, what what did we do?" Uh, but uh, yeah, lo and be- lo and behold, he was just playing as a rookie. And what really benefited him was kind of looking at things uh, the in- from the from the outside. And it really helped him kind of hone in and really start to understand defenses and game planning and, and things like that. Because once he came back, he was a different guy. But the one problem area was that he was always having those one or two moments where he would basically have an arm punt and uh, and the opposition would, would bring it down. So, so these past four games, which has been interesting, he's effectively turned into a game manager. And I did not see that coming from Josh Allen. Um, especially because he was like a wild, wild West, uh, saloon shooting sort of gunslinger here, um, coming out of Wyoming. But these past four games, he's only thrown one pass that, um, was, you know, borderline and, and, um, uh, you know, should have been intercepted. And it was in Tennessee over that, over that span. I mean, he's been really good in terms of his decision-making, but he's also not pushing the, the ball down the field too terribly much. Because that that uh, downfield um, uh, the, that downfield accuracy hasn't quite been there, so it's almost as though we're seeing a third version of Josh Allen, where the first one was the rookie, the second one was okay, gunslinger, really exciting, can put a team on his back. This one is, hey, I'm just going to get out of the way, not turn the ball over, and let let the defense and the running game go to work. Occasionally throwing those those flash plays, and it's weird, and I really hate to bring up this name, but these last four games. 
his game has reminded me of Ryan Tannehill. And I know that's oh. it makes makes Bills fans <laughs> groan a little bit, right? Because you're like, oh, God, Tannehill. But I think it's because he kind of defaulted into that mode too long in his career where you would occasionally get the flash throw. He still has um, the running capability, um, can still make those plays down the field. But basically, he protects the football, gets out of the way, and, and lets the rest of the team do the work. So I wonder if that that next jump, that next version of Josh Allen, where he starts to push the ball down the field a bit more once he's comfortable with not turning the ball over and making those bad decisions. I wonder if that's down the way, but uh, you can't predict it because uh, he's he's uh, he's a bit different than than what he was even at the beginning of this season. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's obviously you know he's playing fantasy. Like if you get thirty yards rushing in a game, which he's done a few times, uh, you know that's three points, obviously, but it's it's worth. 75 yards of passing so you know mm-hmm. sometimes you just add those up and you can justify like well he only threw for 200 yards but you know he ran so it should have been like 275 yards and two touchdowns in a way uh you know if you take out the rushing right. yards um but right. yeah yeah but i mean like hearing he's ryan Tannehill, which Tannehill used to do that he used to have a bunch of games with 40 yards rushing and he would kind of equalize his low passing numbers mm-hmm. um it's still a little discouraging like you think of josh allen like you said like the early season gunslinger who's gonna take some yeah. shots and you know, like preseason, I, one of my deep sleepers was Robert Foster, who he was great with last year and who, you know, was hurt and just hasn't even played. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's good news or bad news if you're a Josh. Like, yeah, it's great. He's not handing the ball or turning the ball over. But, you know, 170 yard passing days with 30 rushing yards is not the same as 240 yard passing days with 30 rushing yards. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to I don't want to make this a declaration and say that oh he's he's just becoming Ryan Tannehill because he has shown a major ability to take on constructive criticism from the coaching staff and implement changes almost like after just a few days which is you know a lot of a lot of these quarterbacks you get them and it's like oh well Tigers don't change their their spots here and the Tigers don't change their stripes and and they, they're just the same thing over and over again every single time you see him. But Josh Allen has reformed himself. So I don't want to say he's he's uh, have uh, he's necessarily going to, you know, be it, this will be his default. I think they're trying to bring him along. And even in his if you look back at second year QBs as opposed to third year QBs, a lot of times that's when they make that jump. And I wonder if they just don't want to overwhelm him and have him just be so on the hook for their entire results in the second year especially when they have a great defense and then work with him to become that you know dominant downfield passer that everyone thought in the building that he could have the potential to be but uh, it's also kind of a slippery slope here because if um, you continue to positively reinforce um, this game manager style then perhaps that might become his default down down the stretch because he's being told he's doing a good job rather than taking over a game. So it's a it's a very tricky thing, and 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 it's influenced by the fact that the Bills are six and two as well. So um, they, they've got their uh, they've got their hands full here to figure out exactly what they want to do. Whether it's you know continue to develop Josh Allen and encourage him to make some mistakes even though he's trying or do they want him to just play a safe brand of football and just uh, rack up victories to get to the playoffs it's a it's a very compelling debate yeah and I mean they haven't it's not like um, a Patriots situation where they played a bunch of cream puffs I mean you you played the I mean you've lost the Eagles but you know you've you played some good teams in there you beat Tennessee 
You beat the mm-hmm. Giants, who you know have an explosive enough offense. You're right, man. Like you're doing this, and we're winning, so let's keep it going. Right. And sorry, fantasy players. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and they they don't make any apologies for that. But um, I I do think eventually they need to open things up a bit more with him. Uh, the, I think the the biggest area that he's going to have to improve if he wants to become a uh, top ten quarterback in the league is the downfield accuracy. He can hit you know deep crossers. But the deep ball, deep post, uh, go routes, those just haven't been there this year. I mean, I believe he's over um, through the first eight games in, in all of those oh. uh, passes. So uh, that's something that they need to bring along pretty well here. Uh, Joe, I had, a, I had another name written here who was a fantasy darling a few weeks ago, um, and Dawson Knox. And, you know, with, with the bye weeks coming up and some tight ends going on the bench, uh, you, you hear his name bandied about a little bit. He hasn't done a ton. Um, and I don't know if anything that, that the Bills have done this year outside of those big couple games he had kind of suggests that, yeah, we're going to involve the tight end a lot here. But uh, is, is there anything on the horizon with Dawson Knox that would make you want to tell people you should you, grab him? You know, like maybe for your bye week, he could have a good game. Or, or is he just kind of like another one of these guys who's going to have those up and down weeks depending on what, what they're facing on the other side of the ball? Yeah, uh, Dable usage. It, I mean, for instance, last uh, against Philadelphia, Tyler Croft outsnapped outsnapped Dawson Knox 36 to 28 and this past week against Washington Dawson Knox outsnapped Tyler Croft 47 to 16 so um, I I guess if you want to look at Knox in terms of okay well he just got well over 70 percent of snaps this this past week in a game where they kind of look to uh, their short area passing game he also caught a pretty clutch pass almost had a touchdown his knee went down just short of the goal line um, uh, against Washington. So it, it, had he just kind of held that up for a split second more, he would have had that touchdown. There was also another play in the first half where um, the linebacker in zone completely bit on the right side and Dawson Knox flared open down the sideline, wide open for a touchdown. Josh Allen had already um, uh, decided on going to Cole Beasley over the middle because it was a third and four and he, he saw the easy get. Uh, but there was potential where he made the linebacker look a little silly on that play and, and got down the field. So Dawson Knox can have some some uh, bigger type of plays here. It's just so unpredictable because last week against Philadelphia, um, Tyler Croft was, uh, he was, uh, I think, targeted either three or four times, came down with two catches, uh, and Knox kind of took a backseat. And then there's the other part that Knox has struggled with drops a little bit too. Um, honestly, I would just avoid it uh, altogether okay. because it's so unpredictable. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your honesty, man. Yeah, that's, no uh, problem. <laughs> that's what we're looking that's what we're looking, looking for here. Podcast by committee. Um, so I, I think we've, we've hit on the names that we wanted to hit on. Is there, I mean, is there, I'd like to kind of just pose this one to our guests. Is there anything I'm missing? Like, is there mm. someone who's kind of creeping up? Like, like I know, like you said, Isaiah McKenzie had all those snaps, but like the, the up and down a day ball, is there anyone just like kind of creeping in the shadows that we should keep an eye on that, that might make us look smart when the dust kind of settles on this fantasy season? Um, it, I don't think it's going to be Robert Foster this year. Um, he has not taken the steps that they've wanted him to. So he's, he's kind of uh, either inactive or 15 snaps or less. Um, I think Cole Beasley is someone that's starting to get into it a little bit. I was a little disappointed by Cole Beasley in the early stretches of the season, but he's running some really good routes uh, these past couple of weeks and making himself available. He's starting to understand Josh Allen a bit more and where he likes to go with the ball. 
uh, and especially when plays break down because a lot of Allen plays do break down. He hangs onto the ball a long time. He can make uh, defenders miss in the in the backfield when his offensive linemen get beat. Um, so I, I think that improvisational ability is going to help Cole Beasley down the stretch here, and he he's also becoming somewhat of a red zone threat too. So if uh, if you're in a, a deeper league that and it's not even PPR specific because it's not even as though Cole Beasley is racking up catches here. Um, it, he's just making himself available for some solid yardage. And I wonder if one of these weeks he's he's going to pop and and just be a complete matchup disparity for uh, for an opponent. So uh, he's he's someone that's consistently on the field as opposed to the rest of the wide receivers and the tight ends. I mean, Cole Beasley is fairly consistent in being on the field um, for at least 55% of the time. So uh, I would say maybe, maybe him in this offense if uh, they start to open things up with Josh Allen a bit more. All right. Awesome. Uh, Joe, thanks, man. Like, I, I, I know you've got a lot, <laughs> a lot of other more important stuff to do than talk fantasy. Um, so it means a lot that you can take the time to, to do this and then to do the stuff you do every week with the, uh, the Beat Writer Roundup. It's much appreciated. Oh, no. No, no worries, man. It's it's fun because um, I I I remember the a couple weeks ago it was the Duke Williams question, and and the next week he went for like one catch against Miami. <laughs> so um, so oh, it was man. like I was I was very happy that what I what I prescribed actually came came to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do it, man. That's a- <laughs> yeah. Um, right. You know, before as a fellow upstater, man, uh, you want to shout out Darian Lake or anything while you're here? Oh God, <laughs> Darian Lake! I haven't I haven't been there probably in like I don't know maybe eight years for rides um I, I go there for a concert every one once and again but man just it's it's uh they're they're trying to make a comeback too every year it's yeah. like hey come get a season pass for i don't know what 50 bucks i'm like well that's kind of a good deal but how often am i really gonna actually do it yeah but darian lake right was, i remember that was the- fun when growing up exactly good memories of darian lake <laughs> absolutely uh by the way, I didn't even shout out your Twitter. You can follow Joe uh, on Twitter at uh, Joe Bascalia, which is B-U-S-C-A-G-L-A-I. Um, that's good, man. Italian show. All tell. Check out the podcast, The Buffalo Beat. Give it some love on iTunes. Give us some love on iTunes. Give everybody some love on iTunes. Um, <laughs> but, Joe, thanks a lot, man. Good luck with the rest of the season. This is as a, as a Syracusan. Um, I'm always happy when Buffalo is doing well. So, you know, it's, it's just six and two is awesome, man. You, you must be loving it. Yeah, it's uh... – it's a fun team to cover also because we don't know if they're actually good just yet. And so that they've got a lot of uh, – they've got Baltimore, Dallas, um, New England again, Cleveland, which should be an interesting game. So, I mean, they should get the 10 wins. They should get in the playoffs. But uh, as we've seen in years past, it hasn't always gone, gone smoothly when the Bills have uh, have – some good starts at the beginning of the season. So, it, but it, it has been fun, no doubt, to especially to track a young quarterback along the way. And you know what kind of sucks? I mean, maybe not for you, but there are only three home games left. And you look for those Buffalo snow games, and you know mm-hmm. you only got three shots now in the next in the next several games. Which I guess it sucks for the team to be on the road so much, but also for you know a red zone kind of enthusiast who's like, "There's a snow game in Buffalo, man. Let's go." Yeah. So, well, uh, they do have a road game in Pittsburgh, which which will help. Uh, bring up the snow quota potentially. Um, and true. I think that's in December. Uh, but, but yeah, it's uh that's a worked in home field advantage, especially with a big armed quarterback, but yeah, but yeah, well, it, they, they'll, they'll have to prove it and um, it'll be fun. It will be fun. Uh, Joe, thanks a lot again, man. Uh, much appreciated. And um, hopefully maybe we'll talk to you again before the season's out. 
Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me.